to Weigh in Sports Talk. Today is Wednesday, July 31st. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Weigh in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is Wednesday night. Tomorrow is the first day of August, and and Trey, what does what does that mean to you? The first day of August. Well, Tarvin, I think I think you know what August means, Tarvin. It's football time. That's man, it's, I am. It's getting there, man. Sunday night's the Hall of Fame game. We will be live at nine o'clock Eastern. I think I think we'll have more listeners to our show than viewers of the Hall of Fame game. What do you think? <laughs> that's a that's a good thought. I'm trying, man. I I got up this morning and I just realized, or what was it? Tuesday, Monday, it felt like fall outside in the morning, and I just the dew was on the ground. I knew football season is getting close. Tomorrow's August, guys. Get ready, buckle up. Football season's coming. Trey, tonight, we have a lot on the agenda, and we're going to have to get through it quick if we're going to get out of here in an hour and a half. And just remind everybody, our shows will be going longer and longer as football season approaches. So if you like long shows, you'll get hours full of a lot of callers, a lot of information, a lot of game review. Trey, I'm ready to get started, and then we'll give the call in number 646-716-5564. And, and I just found out something, Trey, that Sonia Minson – one of our listeners here, everybody knows Sonia that listens to the show. She's in the hospital, and I'm not sure why, but um, she's doing okay, I think. But everybody, keep your prayers up for Sonia and Jason. Jason put a message that she's doing good, and she's healthy enough to boss the nurses around, uh, Trey. That, that sounds like Sonia. Well, you know, I at first I've heard of it. I didn't see anything on Facebook. I don't, you know, me and Facebook during the day, I usually don't log on to it, but um, you know, really didn't like, I don't like to hear that, Tarvin. I don't like to hear that at all. That's, uh, you know, Sonia, our, our thoughts and prayers are going to be with you, whatever's going on. Hopefully you can get back, uh, get back to being in the chat room and talking to us on, on the air here. Yeah, maybe we can get, maybe her male nurses she has, they're Auburn fans. Wouldn't that be cool to see Sonia, you know, with some <laughs> Auburn fans around her replaying the 2010 Iron Bowl? That would be good. But no kidding. Sonia, get well. Uh, prayers are up thoughts with you. Jason, take care of Sonia. We need her back. So we're going to start off tonight to give you our agenda. We're going to preview the Texas A&M Aggies tonight. And Trey, you want to talk some Johnny Manziel with that. And we're going to discuss him. We're going to talk about the Louisville Cardinal, see what kind of chance they have to make it to a BCS game, possibly a championship game this year with Bridgewater. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. And we're going to do some miscellaneous stuff. So Trey, get us started, man. Where do you want to go? Well, let's start off. Let's start off in the NFL because I think one of the stories that just broke about I think an hour or two ago uh, was the whole Riley Cooper. For those of you who don't know, uh, Riley Cooper is a wide receiver, and he's actually expected to step up for Jeremy Macklin, who uh, left the Eagles with an ACL injury for the year, and they were really looking for ex-Florida Gator Riley Cooper to sort of take that next step for Jeremy Macklin and fill in, and he got caught on tape, Tarvin. Uh, really going off on a quite racist rant using 
um, so a word that you shouldn't use, and especially not only that, but he used it in a way that was very, very racially, it seems to me, driven. Um, what did you think of that, Tarvin? Wow. I mean, just looking at the way Riley did, and it surprised me being Tim Tebow's, one of his best friends, roommate. Um, I believe I'm right in saying that. That that was his roommate and everything, wide receiver at Florida. It did surprise me to hear that. And Man, Trey, once you do something like that on camera, I mean, you can't take it back. You can't try to wiggle your way out of it. It's just out there now, and it's just up to will the players forgive him for doing that, and will they think of him as a racist now? That's a big question. Yeah, and it's absolutely – Tarvin, just to let you know, I'm having problems uh, typing in the chat room for some reason. I can see it, but I can't. I can't type in it. I don't know why, but just let you know that guys, if you're trying to send me a message <laughs> right now, I can't. I can't respond. But you know, I mean, th- it is interesting. You know, with this whole Florida Gators and a lot of it, you know, is hard when you think about it and you thought about all the arrests that came out and the whole Aaron Hernandez story. Um, but the question I have, Tarvin, and maybe somebody in the chat room can, can uh, fill me in was was Paul, was uh, was Aaron Hernandez. Uh, and Bra- are those guys are they teammates of Raleigh Cooper? Was he during that era at Florida? Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, just Tebow, another, another Cooper. Yeah, I mean, another guy during this era who's just causing a scandal. I mean, this you know whether it's you know Raleigh Cooper making racist comments or somebody else, the NFL just with all the arrest and now this, it just seems like the the, <laughs> the the NFL and these players cannot get a good break from PR. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the video, and, and I heard it was more than that, actually. the rant, He went on before that. So everybody has a phone with a camera on it, a video recorder. Somebody, you're famous, people's going to know. I mean, Riley Cooper is not a, a household name, but people know who Riley Cooper is. I mean, you know, some people do. And to, to see that come from him in a public place like that, Trey, I mean, that's stupid. I mean that's just oh yeah. yeah stupid to say that out in public yelling it like that and and if you're a racist you're racist keep it in, in your home keep it in your thoughts whatever deal with yourself but don't come out and expose people to that uh, that's something that his teammates I don't know if they're going to accept that apology or not it's, I mean really how do you apologize for that well and you know it's interesting too and sort of a side story uh, of this was. Um, Michael Vick's brother coming out on Twitter, Marcus Vick, who is an interesting character in itself, and he said he called Riley Cooper a piece of, you know, dog poop to say it. And it just, you know, it's funny because if anybody (laughs) knows uh, a a POS, to use the abbreviation, uh, better than Marcus Vick, I don't know who it is because, you know, he's brothers with Michael, who's not the greatest guy in himself. So it just, I mean, those in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Marcus Vick and the Vicks really don't have any play, any room to put anybody in their place uh, when they serve federal prison time. So, I mean, this, this whole story is just insane. Yeah, I'm surprised. And, and I, the reporters ask, ask him, so what do you think your punishment should be? And he named the GM, the president, the coach. He said, oh, they just decided I, they, they decided I should be fined. He didn't ever say his punishment because that's very smart, Trey that he avoided what his punishment should be. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously um, this is going to be handled internally with the team. When it comes to Raleigh Cooper, I mean, you know, he's got to be wondering about his job security now. I mean, if it was Jeremy McLean was still available, 
you gotta you gotta worry about your job security without Macklin. I mean, they probably aren't gonna cut him, but you know, it's one of those things, man. Nowadays in the NFL and image problems, you gotta really be on your P's and Q's because a lot of guys aren't getting second chances now in the NFL because they're so worried about each team is so worried about their image. Uh, so just, you know, a weird story, Tarvin, that broke today. Um, but, Tarvin, I want to move on to another story that kind of broke recently. I wanted to get your thoughts on it right off the bat and see what people in the chat room thought was Eddie Vanderdose, um, the former Notre Dame commitment who asked out of his um, his letter of intent and Notre Dame den- denied it. Well, he appealed to the NCAA, and that was granted. So he's enrolled in UCLA and is going to be eligible this year. What are your thoughts on a guy getting out of his LOI? Uh, I think he should have to sit out. I think if you sign that letter of intent, and I've said it before on this show, if you if you sign it and you commit, then you need to, to follow the rules unless it's some, you know, someone died in your family and you want to be closer or somebody's sick. Trey, I just don't like it. I think the NCAA opening up Pandora's box now with people wanting to transfer. I believe people will start doing that more and more and using this is, is a reason why. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of wonder what their rationale for granting it was because, you know, I, I don't, I honestly don't know what Vanderdose, you know, put in his request. I mean, that's not something that I saw online was what exactly he said to the NCAA. I know that some of the stuff that's out there that's, you know, sort of hyperbole, but, you know, I just wonder, too, I mean, is it what kind of precedent? And the NCAA is just so inconsistent with their with their rulings and with punishment. This is just another one of those out of left field for me, Tarvin. Yeah, I mean, the NCAA's got a lot of problems. Looking right now, they need to focus on Miami, and that could be coming out any day now. But, yeah, I mean, does it have anything to do with – I don't know. I mean, I just don't like that. I think there should be a rule unless there's an illness in the family, a proven illness, and not something that was already, you know, pre-existing. You know, like uh, – what was the guy, Jay Prosh, that transferred from Illinois to Auburn. His mom got diagnosed with cancer down in the Mobile area, and he wanted to move back closer. That's a reason, Trey, to be able to step, you know, to get out of your commitment and play right away. But just making a bad choice, I think it's a bad if you if you make a bad choice, you sit out a year. But that's interesting, Trey. And and let's stay in the NFL, stay in football real quick. The Pro Bowl, you know, they were talking about doing away with the Pro Bowl in general after, you know, the last couple of years. But the changes they made to this, they're not going to do the AFC-NFC format anymore. They have two captains, Trey, that are picking 43 players per team. What are your thoughts on this? I I think this is, I mean, let's be honest, I could care less about the Pro Bowl. But I think from, from a player standpoint, at least from a, or from a contractual standpoint, where guys may get bonuses, for earning their way onto the Pro Bowl, you know, whether they're a fan vote or the players vote, to me, this just, I mean, reeks of just nothing but favoritism. I mean, you're going to have, I mean, guys who maybe truly deserve it, uh, who, would, who would have been voted on in by the fans or by their contemporaries in the NFL, and now you're going to have, what, Deion Sanders picking a team based on, you know, I mean, he's, I mean, come on. This is just, it, it takes the whole Pro Bowl and makes it even less relevant. Yeah. And, and you know, one thing that, that made me angry looking at this is the special, you know, they're not doing kick returner, kick returns or any kickoffs or anything. They're putting it 25-yard line. So the loss of a kick returner is gone. I mean, you can't make it. If you're a kick returner and you're being replaced, what, by a defensive back? 
Yeah. Uh, I, I believe yeah. that's the rules, what I remember. But Jerry Rice and Dion are picking him. What would you think if that's your specialty, Trey, is kickoff returns, and now you can't make a Pro Bowl because you can't yeah. play that? I mean, that's crazy. It just, it just makes, again, it, it's just no sense. It makes it so less interesting. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, do you? I mean, I, when I look at the fan vote and I look at the how the players vote, it leads to it gives credibility to certain positions that maybe you don't, unless you're a fan of a certain team, realize how good a player is. Like say an offensive tackle or a guard or somebody on the defensive line who doesn't have you know the sack the sack record, if they get voted in by the players, you're thinking, man, this guy must be really good in the trenches. Maybe I should recognize or at least take a look at him. So there's something to be said when you know when I look at the Pro Bowl rosters. I always kind of gave it a look for that reason and nothing else to see how guys got voted in and see who's actually on there. But now, I mean, Tarvin, I mean, you're going to get, you know, De- we all know Deion Sanders' roles with the crew. He's, I mean, this guy's an announcer now. So you're going to be – he's going to pick his favorite player. He's going to pick, you know, are we going to get guys who have, haven't even deserved it but they're friends with Deion on there? I mean, like, I don't know, man. I think it's a super, super big joke. And I, I this is it, man. That's the final straw, man. I'm not – the Pro Bowl's gone for me. Yeah, I mean, and putting the pressure on the, I mean, that's, it's not just Dion and and Urban is or uh, Jerry Rice. It's some players involved too um, that are picking them, and so I just think it's stupid. It puts players in a bad spot. It could cause hard feelings and everything. I I agree. We should just do away with that game in general. There should be now you're mixing up AFC and NFC players. It's a popularity contest even more now in a way. And I, I just don't like it because you're excluding certain players that, like you said, what if it's in their bonus? If you make the Pro Bowl or in their contract, if you make the Pro Bowl, you get this. If you, And they're not even going to get a chance to play. I think that could be a problem. Um, and I think it could be overturned to where they do get in this game because legally, Trey, is there anything they can do to overturn that? Um, and this is the NFL's purview. But it just, I mean, you know, this is, I mean, it's a standard con- contractual agreement. That are, you know, provision that players put in there because it shows, at least in some way, um, that you're better than your contemporaries. You're at the top of your game when it comes to your position. You know, I mean, now, um, now, I mean, what does it matter? I mean, because you're going to have guys who just simply aren't either favored by the guy who's the captains, you know, or, I mean, just, there's just no standard for this to being a best player. It really it really isn't. I mean, I don't know what the standard them got, them picking people are. You know, it just makes no sense. I mean, it's just that now the Pro Bowl is the worst all-star game type, you know, exhibition in all of pro sports. Yeah. So your chat room is working right now, Trey, everything? Yeah, I'm back up, man. So who's trying to message you during a show while we're trying to do a show? That's hard to concentrate, isn't it? <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know why you keep sending me messages on the board telling me to to talk better. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on. Uh, Carlos Hyde, uh, Ohio State running back that was suspended, you know, for assaulting a, a female. Actually, the charge has been dropped, Trey, and I'm not buying that that he didn't do anything wrong. It seems like the girl doesn't want to continue with it. Have you heard anything more about this? And and is he going to be able to play? Yeah, well, he he's suspended for the first three games. This is uh, for those of you who are, who don't know much about Ohio State football or didn't listen to our preview last uh, in the last week or so. Uh, he is uh, the starting running back. Um, there's two things you should know. He's only going to miss the Buffalo San Diego State 
in the Cal game. But, I mean, from what I heard, Tarvin, he actually was pretty much acquitted because of a, a videotape. Apparently there was some tapes that showed, you know, the guy wasn't, uh, I guess, culpable when it comes down to the worst charges. Um, but what Urban Meyer basically said, and I, I think it's reactionary, Tar- I really do. Uh, if you disagree, give us a call in. But I think Urban Meyer is feeling a lot of pressure in regards to all of the scandal mm-hmm. that came out of Florida, the Aaron Hernandez deal. Now you get Riley Cooper. I mean, all these guys who he coached who have gotten their names out in the public in a very negative light, I think what Urban Meyer is doing is reacting to all that and saying, and what yeah. he ultimately said was that, you know, my guy didn't walk away. Uh, he didn't do anything criminal, but what he do, we, we teach our guys to walk out of a bad situation. Um, you know, that's, that's the most interesting suspension. I, but I really do think, one, it's because they're playing lesser opponents. And I think, too, it's a reaction because he's so scared now to, to not discipline somebody uh, that he he just feels he has to because of all the negative things that have gone on with the players and how much attention that's gotten. Well, that's exactly where it's coming from. And, and you would think a man with the intelligence of Urban Meyer and in a position wouldn't wouldn't jump to conclusions, really, and and suspend someone before even knowing what happened, really. So I think Urban Meyer dropped the ball big time here, and and it's all because of the Eric Hernandez and, and all the pressure he's feeling. And it seems like to me, listening to him on ESPN and just listening to him talk in the media, that he's ready to buckle down and start tightening up. But, Trey, I don't think he's going to be able to, to win his players over by doing that because that's just not his personality. He's going to be faking being someone that he's not. How do you think that's going to go over with his players, really? Well, yeah, I, I wonder how that, that's going to be handled to the players here because it has to be – I mean, that's a complete change of, of his um, authoritative style. I mean, Urban Meyer has never been a guy who suspends guys, um, suspends players the way other coaches do. And he's always been a little bit of a lax coach when it regards – you know, in regards to that. So – you know, whether this changes, you know, people who he's recruiting, I doubt it, Tarvin. He's still going to recruit, as Mark Rick has said, you, he's going to recruit the guys who may get in trouble. And that's what Mark Rick, and that's what Mark Rick has said about recruiting. And I think it applies to Ohio State, and I think it Ohio, applies because, they, they're, because of who their head coach is. Yeah, I mean, it's just when you try to be someone you're not, that's when, that's when things start coming unraveled a little bit. I'm not saying that he should – still be lax on the players because he always has been. But this this uh, tough man approach now, uh, Warden, he's trying to be in the media. I mean, if people that have a brain can read through his BS, I mean, he's not that person. So he should just quieten down, get out of the media, and, and have meetings with his team in, in, you know, in, the, in the privacy and just tell them here's how it's going to be. He doesn't have to go blast this to the media He's one of those people that always, I mean, he's just, I can't stand him. I don't know what it is about him. I just can't stand Urban Meyer because I really do believe he's a phony Trey. And that's all I'm going to say about it. That's all I'm going to say about that. But let's move on a little bit to the uh, to Major League Baseball. Did you get a chance to watch the blown play at the plate with the Rays and Red Sox the other night? Yeah, I saw that, yeah. What do you think? I bet Jonathan was happy about that, wasn't he? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Jonathan. You can tell us in the chat room what you thought. Or, you know, the Rays are certainly hot, 
But one of the things I don't like is is missed calls. I mean, because you know, yeah, if you're a Rays fan, and you know, you know me, Tarvin, and I, that's my team in in the AL. I'm a Braves fan overall because I grew up with the Braves, but picked up the Rays when I was stationed down in Tampa. But you never want to win that way because it always seems baseball karma always seems to come back and get you later on in the season. Whether you know whether it's the Braves call we saw last year. But whatever it is, I mean, it seems like those, you know, when you get one, you're going to get one worse later on. So I, I hate to win on a play like that. I'd rather um, I'd rather actually win, you know, have the game go get tied there and win it later on. Yeah, and right now as it stands, Tampa Bay is a half a game ahead of Boston in the AL, in the AL East, and Baltimore is five games out. It's a two-team race for this division now. I'm going to go ahead and put Baltimore and the Yankees. I just don't see them being able to come back. I think it's coming to those two. But let's let's talk about the Braves a minute. Ten-and-a-half game lead over Washington, about to be 11. They're about to have an 11-game lead, Trey. That's a big lead. We talked about it the other night. That's a huge lead for this time of year. And you remember me saying when the weather heats up, the Braves bats do too. Man, this Braves team is starting to hit the ball, and they look better than ever. Well, I mean, they're hot. I mean, but here's the thing about the Braves and the Rays and the Dodgers, who are all very hot, all three teams. is It's great to be hot now, Tarvin, but, you know, the thing is you need to be hot in September and late August, and that's where some of these teams have faltered in the last couple of years. So, you know, the Braves need to win all the games they can, and, and right now they're winning them. They're looking really good doing it, but – you know, I, I'm still – my concern still is um, the last month of the season is which one of these teams are going to break down. Yeah, and I'm watching that too. I mean, if the Braves come in, Trey, how, what, what percentage do you give them to win a World Series? If they come in in September and they don't blow the lead, they play solid baseball, what, what's the percentage you give them to win the World Series this year? Well, I mean, right now, I think their percentage is probably around 15 to 20% if you're given, you know, odds. Um, but, you know, obviously it may get higher, but um, you know, we'll have to see because, I mean, you know, with injuries and that kind of stuff, you always have to reevaluate when it comes to the playoffs and when you actually get there because then you get to see your seeding, you get to see which starting pitchers match up up against two. Because with, Bra- with, with the Braves and with baseball in general, it's all about being hot at the right time and being healthy and have your and have your starters match very well up against somebody else's starters. So, you know, when it comes to baseball, you got to be really good at the very end of the season. Well, give me your NL Rookie of the Year real quick. My NL Rookie of the Year, I think it's going to be Puig. I mean, I don't think he's there yet, Tarvin, but I think he's going to get there. Yeah, any chance Gaddis gets it for the Braves? Can he hold up? Yeah. I mean, he started off on a tear, but you know. yeah. No, yeah, I don't, I'm going to say Quig so. as well. I'm going to say Quig yeah. as well. I'm with you on that, Trey. And you know, let's move real quick to the Angels. I mean, they're out of it. Thirteen and a half games out of the West. Pujols. I mean, he looks like a 95 year old man trying to get around right now. I mean, these guys do have to protect their investment. I mean, they paid this guy so much money, and they're looking. I mean, foolish every day that goes by. Do you think Albert Pujols will return to his old self and get healthy with his time off to recover the rest of the season and the entire off season? Yeah, I mean, you, you got to think Pujols will be back, but he, but he's been on a very slow decline for a couple of years now. So it's not as if um, 
it's not as if this is this is completely out of left field, Harmon. I mean, this has been there's been road signs that Pujols was breaking down. I mean, this is and this is a guy who who really has been who was able to play through a lot of injuries early on, but as you get older, we all know um, that it's a lot harder. Yeah, you're exactly right. I'm welcome some people in the chat room real quick. Bruce Coward is in the house. Jason Humphrey, Jonathan Miklos, Paul Ewing, Trey, you're here. Uh, people can come on in, come join us, call in 646-716-5564, and we're going to go to a commercial break real quick. We'll be right back. Have you ever seen a picture on the Internet and just think to yourself, I'd love to have that on a shirt, or maybe you'd like your company logo on a shirt? Well, Actionware Screen Printing is the place for you. We'll print whatever design you want on any surface you desire. Just give us the idea and we'll make it happen. For more information, message us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. And we are back. And if you'd like to call in and join us, 646-716-5564. Uh, we'll be previewing the NFC West tonight in the NFL, the interesting division, also Louisville and Texas A&M in college football. Uh, Trey, I mean, look, this is going to be bad when – excuse me, I'm going to go this first. Major League Baseball free agency is over with now. Are you surprised there weren't really any big moves? Well, you know, with I guess when I was the suspensions looming for the Peds and the biogenesis stuff coming as early as this week, and with it affecting the Rangers and with it affecting the Tigers, um, I expected, and, and, and the Athletics as well, I expected one of those teams, or maybe all three of them, to put someone in place behind there to make sure they're covered. Because, I mean, Bartolo Colon has meant an awful lot to the Athletics. They made no moves to cover themselves for when, he, when he's lost for the rest of the season, if he is. Uh, the Tigers <laughs> yeah. certainly did. Um you know, Peralta is going to be gone probably, so they they went and got Iglesias, which is a good move. I mean, he's not the same uh, offensively, but he's a much better defensive shortstop uh, than Peralta. And then the Rangers just kind of were very odd. It's almost as if they weren't giving up or conceding the division, but they certainly weren't trying to make any additions. So, uh, the Rangers were a very weird team because, I mean, they've been there, what, three years in a row, Tarvin? So you kind of expected them to feel like they could make the push I mean, because they're not that far back from the athletics. So I was I was a little weird. Uh, I felt weird about the Rangers' non-moves. Yeah, this was just – the Rangers should have – they're only four and a half games out, I believe. That's nothing for them in that offense. And you have to look at the A's. They're not a very explosive team. I mean, they can lose baseball games. And so Texas not going out and making a big move did hurt them. But, you know, you, you spoke of a couple of players being out for the year. A-Rod – could be banned for life, and and actually I'm hoping he is. Honestly, seeing him come out in the media saying he's going to appeal and all this stuff, and that he never used steroids, Trey, I'm ready to see him banned for life. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he'll do the ban for life. I think he'll end up working something out. But you know, Paul brought up the point, and the Rangers got Garza in the chat room, and what I was really getting to was, um, you know, Nelson Cruz has been a guy who's hit some home runs, doing games this year. He's really been a very important part of their offense, and to lose him, and, and knowing that the Athletics um, are going to lose, you know, a 14-game winner in Bartolo Colon, who has like what a sub-3 ERA this year. I, I think he's 97 years old. I mean, you know, they have to think that they can take up, they can make that ground up against the A's. I mean, I think they can, 
So, you know, I mean, the Red Sox made the big move at the deadline, and we all know, you know, they're the ones who nabbed Jake Peavy. Um, I'm still not sure Jake Peavy was, I mean, was worth a whole lot, and I think in the end, Boston didn't give up too much Tarvin. But, yeah, I mean, I would have I would have thought some other teams made some moves, and it just kind of scratched my head. And I kind of wonder if it's, if it's, if it's the biogenesis stuff that people just aren't clear on, and they were afraid to make moves, or if it's just too many people think they're in still. Yeah, and we'll keep we'll keep following this, and and we're gonna see more. I don't want to waste the whole show on a rod, but the trade. Jason Humphrey wanted to know if you saw that those facilities Oregon has their new facilities they have uh, in Eugene right now. You know, I saw some pictures online, Tarver. I mean, it looks legit. That's, I'm not gonna lie. You gotta give Oregon props. It looks pretty pretty awesome. You have to give Nike props. You know, Nike paid for all that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Probably. I'm gonna I'm gonna put, I'm gonna report them to the NCAA for paying that. Maybe we can get Oregon on probation so they can, you know, quit winning some football games. But Trey, uh, we're gonna go into our our uh, previews now. Let's start with let's start with the NFC West. This is an interesting division, to say the least. I don't know what you feel about this. I don't think it's a, a like the strongest division in football. I mean, I think there's some more, but it but it's going to be very interesting this year, don't you think? Well, I mean, the NFC West. You know, I mean, what's what's crazy about the NFC West is there's some teams, and I think the Rams are an interesting, interesting, interesting team out of here. I know. A lot of people are on the 49ers, and that, that's all that people are talking about in this division. But, Marvin, am I crazy for thinking that this isn't just about the 49ers and it isn't just about the Seahawks, that the Rams might make some noise? Yeah, I mean, if, if you if you look at this division and you're just saying, oh, San Francisco's got it, then you're not watching offseason. You're not watching football in general. I mean, there's a lot going on in this division. Arizona's going to be – better they're not going to shock the world or anything seattle's going to be a pretty good team but you know percy harvin's gone he's he's going to have surgery what are they going to do at receiver and then trey it's, the rams could be the team it could be the dark horse team in this it looks like they're making some good moves i mean this could be bradford's year yeah and so i guess we'll start off talking with with last year's um you know seller dweller in arizona of course they went out and got carson palmer you know, Larry Fitzgerald has his guy. I mean, this team was five and eleven last year. Tarvin. I think they're going to improve. Uh, I mean, they were they were awful in their own division last year, and they were awful on the road. So, I mean, this team is going to probably improve on their four wins at home last year. I, I have to believe that even if they go four and four at home, they're going to improve on their one and seven road uh, road terrible road record last year. So, Tarvin, I, I think that the Arizona improves. Uh, I'll give them either, uh, I'd say six to seven wins, probably not. They're not going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to be improved. Well, I mean, look, they, in my opinion, Carson Palmer, you know, when he left Cincinnati, he kind of went downhill, of course, but could this be the gig that rejuvenates him? I mean, he has some good receivers. I mean, they, their defense is top-notch, Trey. Arizona can play defense. They can hit you hard. The Honey Badger is there. I mean, that could be interesting. Yeah. Didn't, didn't Stephon Taylor go? From Stanford, yeah, I think actually, so. I believe I believe so. I mean, they they have talent on this team. I mean, it's and Rashard Mendenhall, they signed him as well. They have the team on defense. Can Carson Palmer move that lethargic offense, Trey? I think that's the biggest key to Arizona success. Can they get some points? Yeah, and just so, I mean, and also just so you know, I mean, 
uh, their matched up in this division for their out of, their AFC out of conference. Uh, Tarvin, they're matched up against uh, the basic, excuse me, the the Tennessee division, and I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. I'm blanked on that division, but it's the, the, uh, Colts, the South. Uh, yeah, the AFC South. Yeah. 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 So, the, I mean, there's some winnable games uh, they're going to face in the AFC. I mean, you got Tennessee who was struggling, Jacksonville who was just awful. And then I, you know, we haven't previewed this division, but Houston and Indianapolis may, I mean, they may lose more games than they won last year. So, you know, we're just talking about this division. This may be an improved division because, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, the, whether or not these two teams, and we're talking about, you know, Arizona and the Rams can improve. I think they're going to get some wins in the AFC when they face them this year, Tarvin. So I think they're going to get, get it, at least for Arizona, six to seven wins is what I'm predicting. Tell us how. Honey Badger is going to do his first year in Arizona. Will he make any kind of impact? I think he will, Trey. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, I go back and forth on the Honey Badger. I'm not so sure his speed is up up there yet. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go against you, Tarvin. I don't think he makes an impact this year. Okay, over under three touchdowns this year. Oh, I'm gonna go under. <laughs> I will too. But I mean, I'm just interested to see how he does. But but I'm interested. But the honey badger don't care, man. That's what you got to understand. The honey badger don't care. And yeah. I, I'm interested to see how they do. New coaching staff. Um, Carson Palmer there. It's going to be interesting. I'll just put it at that. But Arizona, let's move up to St. Louis, Trey. I mean, does St. Louis have a chance to, in your opinion, to make a run and win the division? I think they do. I mean, they're, they're such an improved ball club. They've gotten better each year of the last couple of years. I mean, last year uh, they would have been at 500 had it not been for that crazy tie, uh, which still infuriates me that the NFL even allows um, allows ties. But, we, you know, we're in Jeff Fisher's second year. Um, he's a coach um, who honestly uh, really does well, you know, with the more time you give him to prepare. So, now he's in his second year with Bradford and his second year with this, you know, this team. And, and Tarvin, one of the stats that kind of stuck to me was that they went 4-1-1 one, one in their division. So we're talking about uh, they tied Frisco, they beat Frisco, and then I think they split it against Seattle. So, I mean, yep. they played Frisco and San, San Francisco and Seattle very well last year. So they match up extremely well against those two teams. Well, I have a a way to motivate St. Louis. If you're a Fisher, you can announce if you win the division that he will shave that porn stash tray on national television. <laughs> there you go, like um, sort of the major league the major league uh, type of thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll get him to shave that thing on TV. Could you imagine what he would look like without the stash? Maybe like Alex Trebek, you know, when he first shaved it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if you're listening out there, Fisher, come on now. I, I can talk to your son. He plays at Auburn now. He plays at Auburn. I can get him to, to, to run this by you here. So maybe he'll do that. That could fire him up. But I look for St. Louis. I mean, Bradford's a good quarterback, Trey. And I think he, you know, all the expectations were last year for him doing good. He didn't do bad. But I think this is the year that he finally steps up a little bit and actually wins some football games. And the Rams look like a team. So well, how many wins do you give them, Tarvin? I'm going to give them eight wins. Eight wins. So you got them. 
You got them with one win, base better than last year. So I'm going to give them two more wins. I'm going to go. They're going to go nine and seven, Tarvin. And I think they could win ten and be in the playoff contention. I'm going to, I'm going to keep them out of the playoffs this year, but I'm going to give them nine wins. <laughs> that's not a bad pick, man. I mean, that's a very good pick, Trey. I'm, I'm buying it. But let's go to the the team next team that I I have winning this division, the Seattle Seahawks. A lot's going on there. Russell Wilson, Trey, is it a sophomore slump for him this year? That's a big question. Yeah, I mean, I was debating this issue actually today with a couple of guys um, on sport, talking about sports. And, you know, of all the quarterbacks who are in their second year who, who have the ability to take a sophomore slump, I mean, unlike Brandon Whedon, who, who could only get better from his, his season last year, uh, I mean, Russell Wilson's the guy, at least it seems like, is going to be in the best position to not take a slump because he has the best tools. Uh, when I say tools, I mean, uh, you know, he has a great defense. who's going to give him a lot of turnovers, a lot of short fields. And he has, you know, pretty decent. I mean, they, they were good on offense without Percy Harvin last year. So I, I don't look at that um, as, a, as a great loss. I think, it, you know, Harvin has been a guy uh, who's been injured anyway. So, I mean, he's just an, an amplifier if he gets on the field. But I'll tell you, Tarvin, I'm not sure they improve on the 11-5 and five season next this year. It's going to be very hard to improve on that. Jonathan in the chat room, he thinks they take a step back. And if they take a step back a game or two, will that be enough to get them in the playoffs, Trey? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I, I've gone back and forth into whether they're going to drop out of the playoffs. I agree with Jonathan. I think they're going to take a step back. But I'm going to get them um, – I'm going to get them in the playoffs again. Um, I'm going to say they're going to make the playoffs turn. Uh, I'm going to say they're going to go 10 and 6, yep. though, and they're going to be a bubble team. So I think there's going to be some other 10 and 6 teams who are vying for it. So I got them 10 and 6, and, uh, you know, Paul can put me down as Seattle is, uh, well, they'll be one of my uh, my last in for the playoffs. Yeah, these are hard to predict. I'm with you at 10 wins, a good, a good record there. It's it's hard. I go back and forth depending on which day it is, Trey, of who I like in this division. I, I really do. San Francisco won it last year. So, I mean, here they are, lost the Super Bowl. And I just wonder, is, is Kaepernick going to come out wearing a Dolphins hat his first game? <laughs> Remember, maybe, well, maybe confuse the helmets. Yeah. Yeah, with San Francisco, um, they have probably the best overall talent of any team in the NFL. Uh, but I really wonder, now that you know Kaepernick's not going to surprise anybody, Tarvin, I mean, there's nobody who is going to be um, who's going to be waiting to see what he does. I mean, everybody knows who Colin Kaepernick is. Uh, the other story with this is, you know, do we see Alden Smith for the 49ers on defense. I mean, Tarvin, do you think he has any any chance of breaking uh, the sack record this year? I mean, this guy was on de- destroying quarterbacks for the first half last year and kind of slowed down. So, I mean, is, is he going to be just as effective? I mean, those are the two players for Frisco yeah. that I really question about whether they take a step back. Yeah, but he he slowed down because he people figured it out and said we need to double-team this guy and unless someone steps up. You know, it's it's going to be like the second half last year. Look, this defense is nasty, Trey. I like it. And and I'll tell you one thing about this team this year, the, the X factor, the player this year, if they're going to have a good year that's going to have a good year, is LaMichael James. I really like him in this offense with Colin Kaepernick. 
If LaMichael James, you can mark it down, has a good year this year, Trey, San Francisco wins this division. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, you're picking Seattle to win the division, though, right, Tarvin? So, um, are you I picking am. the 49ers to make the make the playoffs? I want to have them both at right here, 10 and 6. Okay. Yeah, I'm going with you with the 10 and 6, but I'm going to take the 49ers to win this division. So, Paul, that, that that's where I got one in the division. I think they do take a step back when it comes to this is going to be between the 49ers at 10 and 6 and Seattle at 10 and 6. And really, I think, honestly, you could have even St. Louis right there. Um, but I think two teams from this division certainly get in. I'm taking Seattle as the sort of the wild card and Frisco as my champion right now. I think Colin Kaepernick will have a pretty good year, Tarvin. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if expectations can live up to his stats. But uh, I think this, this San Francisco's got too many guys who can fill in. All right, well, we're in a tiebreaker here, Trey. Who wins in a fist fight, Pete Carroll or Harbaugh? <laughs> Harbaugh. <laughs> okay, well, San Francisco wins the division then. I'm, I'm broke here, but it's going to be a good, interesting division. But keep your eye on St. Louis in this division, everybody. They're the team, and Arizona. I mean, this is a good division. I'm excited to see it. You know, I might have to get the NFL ticket just to make sure I can see all of these games, red zone, something, because I have to keep up with these teams. Very excited to see who wins. Give it, I mean, would, would it shock you if Arizona came in and won this division, Trey? I mean, I think it would shock me. I, I mean, it would, Tarvin. I mean, I think Arizona is <laughs> going to be improved, but improved to, to take out three really, really good small teams. I mean, the talent isn't there for Arizona. I mean, I'd, I would be very surprised. Okay, if we put Alabama in this division, could they win it? No, not at all. Okay, okay, good. I just want to clear that up. I'm I'm joking. Uh, Well, that's a good preview right there. Trey has San Francisco. We have the same record with Seattle. I have Seattle taking it. Uh, Pete Carroll is a phenomenal coach. He knows how to win. He knows how to develop. He knows how to get the most out of his players. He knows how to pay his players, as we all seen before. So I like Pete Carroll this year to finally get it done, but that doesn't mean they're going to make the Super Bowl. So we'll see, and we'll we'll keep on our preview. We'll announce it. Uh, Trey, who do you want to do Sunday night? I think we should finish out the NFC, Tarvin. So let's let's move right up the NFC and let's let's do the NFC North. I know maybe we can get Jason on to talk about his uh, his Vikings. Maybe we can get Quinn talking about his Bears, who went ten and six and left out of the playoffs. Okay, sounds good to me. And Jonathan in the chat room says that Bama could win the AFC South, he said. So just to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to go to a quick, quick commercial break, Trey, and when we come back, uh, get ready to talk the Louisville Cardinals here, and we're going to preview their upcoming season. I mean, it's a very difficult schedule we're about to make it through, so we'll be right back. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Actionware screen printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea, we'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. All right, we are back. And hold on, i got to go back to the chat room, Trey. Jonathan says he's not joking, that we know he's right. Alabama couldn't score on the worst team in the AFC South. What do you think, Trey? No. I, did she forget that Indianapolis and Houston are in the AFC South? 
Tennessee and Jacksonville. Jacksonville would beat Alabama by 30 points if they played easy. It wouldn't even be a game. I mean, Alabama's a great college football team. Don't get me wrong, all the Bama fans out there. But I'm telling you, NFL players are the best of the best. If you're on a bad NFL team, you I mean you're just bad. It's in the NFL. It doesn't mean you're bad in college. Trey wouldn't oh, even yeah. be close. It would be a massacre, dude. I mean, it would be a massacre. But yeah, I mean, Bama. Yeah, Bama would go. Maybe they'd, they'd they would they would do very poorly in the NFL. And Paul's questioning in my thirty points right now, and I, I really that's being that's being modest, right? That's being uh, generous. I mean, I think it would be more than that. Jacksonville would score every time they got the ball. And yeah, Paul said that uh, Alabama could upset Kansas City, and uh, again, I mean, what? Kansas City has Jamal Jamal Charles, and Jamal Charles would run all over Bama. I mean, that just you know you, you got to understand the NFL. Yeah, the, I mean. Alex Smith set the set up a completion percentage last year before he got hurt. I mean, the guy was you know completing what thirty or forty passes. I mean, these guys may be bad for NFL standards, or they may get a lot of hate, but they're really, really, really good. <laughs> Bama would beat Kansas City. Are y'all crazy out there? <laughs> I'm not yeah. Kansas City sneaking up and making the playoffs, but I, I say, well, no. let's put Alabama in the NFL and see how they do this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, we all saw what Nick Saban did in the NFL. And Jonathan said, if Bama played all 32 teams, they might win one. They wouldn't win. They wouldn't come close to winning one. They would get beat so bad they wouldn't be able to finish the season. And that's any college team, guys. That's any team. You could take the best all-time college team and they'd lose to any NFL team. Trust me, it's a different. Do you know the speed trade? One thing when you. When you watch NFL compared to live compared to college, the speed. I mean, my God, the NFL is just like it's so fast, and I don't think people realize how fast it is compared to college sometimes. Oh yeah, I mean, but, you know, like I said, no knock on any college team, but the NFL. I mean, there's a reason why that's the pros. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's possible that Bama might you know get somebody on a bad day, but I mean, even then, it would be a very close game. I mean. These, these college teams, I mean, it's just a different level. I mean, one through you know, your your top eleven versus you know eleven guys who are the best of their team, you know. So it's just different. And they said if Sanchez was starting for the Jets, they could beat him. Sanchez would pick apart Alabama. I mean, he's. I mean, I'm not even going to talk about it no more. But I hear that <laughs> people have debated that Trey, and they really do think they really do believe it. That that the NF or Alabama could beat some NFL teams. It's not good. That's like saying Louisville could beat the worst NBA team out there. It's probably not going to happen. They'd have a better chance of doing that than any college team would have beating an NFL team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with Tarn. So let's let's move on to Louisville. Um, you know, I, I think that's a fun <laughs> debate, but ultimately, I'm nowhere getting anywhere. So, Tarvin, Louisville went 11-2 and two last year. And, you know, you and I, when we talked about the Sugar Bowl before it happened, I remember you and I were talking about the loss to Syracuse at the end of the season and having a bye week and then losing to Connecticut and then barely scraping by at Rutgers. And then they were like, oh, man, here, here comes Florida Gators, a team that could have been in the national championship. And, man, they won by – they beat the Gators by 10 points. And it really wasn't even that close. So, Tarvin, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, Heisman, Michael Dyer might be transferring to Louisville. He's taking visits, and you know Teddy Bridgewater's you know, posting comments about Dyer would be welcome there. You have a head coach who stayed there to to represent the Louisville Cardinals. So, 
I mean, is there some hype here, Tarvin? Is this over? Are they overrated now, or are they a legitimate BCS contender? Trey, this is hard. If Michael Dyer comes to Louisville, they are a BCS contender because I really do believe they'll run that schedule. Probably looking at Cincinnati on the road, December fifth, the last game. I think they could lose that game, but. Without Michael Dyer, I don't think they win this division, Trey. I think they're a little overrated. You're right. I mean, this is a team that lost 45-26 to against Syracuse last year and lost in overtime to Connecticut. And they were at home in this one. They choked it away. They got to the Sugar Bowl. And, and believe it or not, Trey, Florida was overrated last year. And we talked about that a lot as the season went on. They weren't that good at the time. And Louisville snuck up on them. Bridgewater had a great game. The team played hot, and they won. I think because of that reason, everybody's in love with this team. Bridgewater, the second player in the draft next year, I'll kiss your butt if that happens, Trey. Right here on the radio, okay? If that happens, it's not going to happen. He's taking insurance policies out. Look, I'm not sold on this team. I mean, they can win this this conference by looking at that schedule. But as far as well, is upsetting someone again, they won't do it. I don't think they'd get a chance to play for a national championship. Yeah, and let, let's let's start off by clearing up some confusion. I mean, with all the moving in college football, I think people are calling you know Louisville an ACC team. They're not in the ACC. They're in the. Let me make sure I have this down correctly. The American Athletic Conference, which is um, I don't even understand this new name for the Big East, Tarvin. Because um, I mean, it just doesn't make. It, I mean, American Athletic is that? Is there a Canadian Athletic team made, uh, a conference made to worry about? A Mexican Athletic Conference? I, I don't know. So anyway, um, the name just is kind of crazy for me. But um, Tarvin, this is a very, 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 very weak conference. I mean, there's no, there's no doubting it. This is a, uh, a not hard schedule. So let's take a look at the first game, Tarvin. We're talking about the Ohio Bobcat. Um, Tarvin, I don't know if you. You kept up with the Bobcats. They were nine and four last year. Uh, they made a bowl game. They're in the max. Tarvin, what do you think about uh, that September first game? Is Teddy Bridgewater going to come out and make a statement? No, it's going to be a close game. Ohio is well coached. They play great football. They beat Penn State last year, by the way. You know, on the road, they went to Happy Valley and tore them up. I mean, this is a decent team. That Louisville better not be reading the press clippings, patting themselves on the back saying how good they are. They could lose this game. Louisville's going to win, but, I mean, it's not going to be a walk in the park by no means. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see just how long Bridgewater stays on the national spotlight because I actually think, Tarvin, uh, I'll tell you, I got them 2-0. They're going to they're gonna take out the, the, the Bobcats, and they're going to beat um, the Eastern <laughs> Kentucky Colonels. Uh, but I'll tell you, Tarvin, I'm looking at September 14th. And I know some people may think I'm crazy, but they're playing at Kentucky. I realize that Kentucky got beat by Louisville 32-14 to last year, and I realize that Kentucky still hasn't got all their recruits, you know, that they got this past year aren't ready. But I think Kentucky is going to be a very improved defensive team under Stoops. And I just kind of think this has kind of got a little upset feel to it. I think Louisville goes in and kicks the teeth in out of Kentucky, really, in this one. I think Kentucky is going to have to have a couple of years of solid recruiting just to be able to, to go to a bowl game, honestly. Louisville has always dominated this, it seems like. Louisville's defense will shut down Kentucky. They won't score many points. 
And it's not because Louisville's good they go into Kentucky. It's because Kentucky's that bad this year. I mean, Stoops is a this is his first head coaching gig. I just don't think he can turn it around that fast. But Louisville wins this game with ease, Trey. Yeah, I mean, I'm not calling the upset, Tarvin, but I, I, I got an upset alert on this one. I think it's going to be very close. I mean, you got to remember Louisville and Kentucky are a rival as well. So, I mean, rivalries can be weird. Um, so, I think Louisville wins, but in a very, very close game. All right. Well, the FIU comes to call the next week or the <laughs> next week after that into Louisville. I mean, this could be a, an interesting game, Trey. Well, you know, I mean, we all know that FIU <laughs> was 3-9 and nine last year. So, um, <laughs> no, it, it's not going to be close, Tarvish. <laughs> Okay, I was just trying to trap you in that one, man. October 5th at Temple. What do you think? Uh, you know, uh, you know I, I go back and forth on Temple because they kind of, you know, a couple of years ago they kind of came out of nowhere and they had a decent season and then they kind of fell off the radar. I mean, they now they're 4-7 they're and seven last year. I don't see that team improving much at all. So I think Louisville takes them pretty easily. Well, Trey, after we do this schedule, I need to ask you a question about Louisville. Don't let me for, don't let me forget that, okay? Well, why don't you just ask me right. now? No, we'll just keep going. October tenth, Rutgers is coming into Louisville. I mean, tell me about this game, Trey. I mean, any any chance Rutgers could pull this off on the road? I mean, Louisville took it last year as a close game, one twenty to seventeen at Rutgers. Tell me your thoughts on this game. Could this be kind of a a game with us, whether they play on the 5th and then they go to the 10th, so they have five days in between this game. That could be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, also, you know, I guess what I'm worried about with Rutgers is, you know, we all we talked about the off-the-field stuff that happened this off-season. Um, but, you know, coming off the, the October 5th game, Tarvin, which, you know, that's a you know, Saturday game, and they come to the Rutgers comes into calling, and that's a tenth game. So guess what? That's a Thursday night game, and we all know Thursday night games are kind of crazy. Um, but Rutgers only has four guys returning on defense, and with the offense, it's going to be as good. And, it, and you're right, if Dyer is there, man, I, I really oh, worry about the Rutgers is going to give up a lot of points this year. I think people forget how good Michael Dyer was. And to see him, he's a beast, a physical specimen. I mean, he was a freshman when, and a sophomore when I saw him. The sophomore year with Auburn with no lost 30-something people, this guy still ran for a ton of yards and was still hard to bring down. He has speed, size. This could make the Louisville team unbeatable, Trey. Michael Dyer in this schedule could mm-hmm. make him unbeatable. But I'm not ready to pull the trigger on this upset. I still have Louisville undefeated at this point, Trey. Yeah, I'm at it too. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm looking for reasons to give Louisville losses here. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky got them, but I don't think it's going to be at home against Rutgers. So it takes us to uh, the the Knights, the Central Florida Knights. Um, That's another home game Friday, October 18th. That's a Friday game after a Thursday game. So, you know, another weird trap schedule. But for Louisville, they're at home again. So I mean, this was on the road. You know, I got, I got me. It's got me thinking about an upset. But Central Florida, ten and four last year, Tarvin. I mean, tell me, tell me I'm wrong for thinking that you know this could be a home loss. It could be. I mean, they have a lot of athleticism on this team. They can play with anyone. I mean, they have NFL caliber players. I mean, they they just do. It's Florida. I mean, they 
Central Florida can recruit, and just because they may maybe not get some of the players Florida, Florida State, Miami get, they still get some great talent there, Trey. I'm with you. This is upset alert written all over it, but I'm not ready yet. Being a home game, I'm still thinking Louisville could pull it out, but, but be very careful with this one. Yeah, I'll tell you, I think I think this could be a loss. I mean, Central Florida, a lot of game, a lot of guys coming back. Um, a really good squad last year, but yeah, I'm not going to predict the loss at home. If this was on the road, I think you'd have me there for an upset. But I'm going to stay with uh, Louisville uh, at least for this week, Carvin. So I'm going to keep them undefeated. Man, you're confusing me. You're trying to get me back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> well, October October 26th, the day after my birthday. And, and remember, October 26th is my birthday, and I do like gifts. Cash is, is preferable. I, I do have PayPal, so just hit me there. Uh, on the road at South Florida. And this is a Saturday game, Trey, and it's probably going to be a noon kickoff. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you. I mean, man, South Florida is so bad right now, though. I mean, they really are bad. I, mean, I know this is on the road, um, but Tarvin, <laughs> Paul Ewing says South Florida can win this one. Um, with, they were with three Michael and nine Bryan. last year. I mean, man, they're 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 awful. They're just terrible, and they're not going to beat. They're not going to beat Louisville. Yeah, he said South Florida can win this one if they get Dyer. And remember, Dyer is is on South South Florida is on his list actually. So. I think so. That's what he's trying to say on that one. But I don't think Dyer's enough to beat Louisville like that. They suck. You're right. And now, now well, they get a bye week trade November 8th at Connecticut. I mean, last year, this game went into overtime in Louisville. Any chance they have trouble again on the road with Connecticut? Yeah, I, I think there is a chance. I mean, Connecticut returning uh, 13 starters of their own. But, um, Man, I, you know, man, I'm just having a real tough time t- with this <laughs> conference because ultimately I don't think Louisville is all that deep. Um, and so I kind of wonder if one of these games are going to get them. Coming off a of bye week, I can't pick Connecticut, Tarvin. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Louisville again. I'm going to stick with Louisville again, and it looks like you possibly have them losing one with Kentucky, but right now you have them undefeated with me, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think the Kentucky game or the Central Florida game are the two strongest opponents they have. Um, I mean, I, I look at Houston. Uh, that's at home for them the next week. And Houston is a team I think that's actually – I would say they're improving. Uh, they're 5-7 and seven last year. I think they have a chance at being a bowl team this year. Um, so, Tarvin, I mean, what do you think? I mean, Houston has a shot um, at beating Louisville. If I question mark that, what do you think? No, I don't think so. I mean, this team is a finesse team, and, and with Dyer on this team, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, Dyer's going to be with Louisville. And I think he's going to run down the throat of this team. Houston can't play defense. They can't tackle. And the defense of Louisville, I mean, they're returning a ton of talent. They're all upperclassmen on that defense, Trey. I like Louisville in this one. Yeah, I mean, we didn't mention it, but, yeah, Louisville's returning, like, their entire defense, 11 guys. Yeah. That's pretty rare. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got them winning this game. I got them beating uh, Memphis the next week, who was 4-8 and eight last year, and um, I don't look at them as all that big of a threat. And then uh, they have another bye week, and a third bye week built in here, and they're on the road against Cincinnati, Tarvin. So uh, are they undefeated going into that road game? Yeah. 
they're undefeated. But, I mean, there's some roadblocks. It's, like you said, Trey, some great uh, points. There's an unorthodox schedule, really. And uh, I, I don't know. I think they're undefeated. But this is a game, Tommy Tuberville, Trey. And if Louisville's undefeated, they're going to be a top-five team. Who better than to knock off a top-five team than Tommy Tuberville? Yeah, yeah. Coming off the of bye week, it'll be December. I, I just, I'll be honest. I, I just can't see Louisville going undefeated, and I could be wrong, but they're just, they just seem like the type, the type of team that comes in with all the hype in the preseason, but just will not be able to, to face the pressure uh, at the end of the season if they really are undefeated. So I'm gonna go ahead and pick them losing here to Cincinnati, uh, finishing the season 11 and one, Tarvin. I have them. I have them losing to Cincinnati as well. I mean, Tommy Tuberville, will go back and look. You know, I don't. I don't love the man by no means, but if you need him to knock off a top ten team, he's your guy. I mean, it doesn't matter what game it is. If he's an underdog, he will beat you. And they're going to be probably an underdog in this game if Louisville's undefeated, which I think they should be. Cincinnati's a team that could win this conference, the AC, and get them in a BCS bowl. I don't think it's enough to make a national championship. I don't think a 12 and 0 Louisville team is enough to make a national championship. Really, just looking at this schedule, um, Trey, I like Cincinnati to win this game and probably win this conference. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Cincinnati doesn't win the conference. I think Louisville does. I think Louisville is your AC champion, but they're going to go 11 and one. I said possibly. I didn't say they would. But when we, well, I want to ask you real quick. Tell me about Charlie Strong in your opinion. There's some people that act like this guy's a second coming of Christ, but why do you think he stayed at Louisville? I mean, he could have had some other jobs. Do you think he stayed at Louisville because he feels this team is special, and once they make it their mark with this team, then he'll take another job? Why do you think he stayed? I, I think I think maybe that you're right, Claren. He, he feels that with Bridgewater coming back, that that this is possibly their shot, you know, lightning in a bottle. That it, you know, if he could get into that national championship game, I mean, he proved last year that Charlie Strong can coach his boys with a lot of time off to prep for a team. I mean, they came out and were so all over Florida in the very beginning. I mean, I don't think Florida knew what hit them, and so you know, some coaches are you know, just that phrase, give me a give me an hour. And I'm pretty good. You know, give me a day, and I'm really good. You give me a week, I'm great. You give me a couple, give me a month, and I'm unbeatable. And that's what Nick Saban's done. And you know, maybe Charlie Strong is that guy too. I mean, you never know. I mean, so maybe he thought that he could get lightning in a bottle, or maybe he's waiting on a very specific job to open up. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's very, very loyal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, uh, I, I think he may be loyal, but I'm leaning towards. Uh, the fact that, you know, he's waiting for a better job. I mean, Auburn talked to him last year. Um, I don't know if he was interested or they – I think they did interview him. I don't know if they were interested or what happened with that. But Paul seems to think that he's a defensive genius, and he is, but so is Chizik, and you you saw how that turned out. I don't know. I'm not buying Charlie Strong, really. I don't I don't know. I just I've never got a good feel about him. I was hoping he wouldn't be the coach at Auburn just because of his track record really. He hadn't proven one yet. He was a great defensive minded coach, but they don't always you know, always mean, you know, they're gonna be great head coaches. But I don't know. I just wanted to ask you your opinion on that. And when we come back, we're gonna discuss Johnny Manziel and the Texas A and M Aggies. I mean, Trey, there's a big story on ESPN. I want you to discuss it a little bit. 
start us off in just a second when we come back, and we'll be back in 28 seconds. Family reunions, school names, sports logos, custom designs. Actionware screen printing will do all of that on whatever you want. Hats, shirts, shorts, pants, and much, much more. Embroidery, printing, decals, it doesn't matter. Just give us the idea, we'll make it happen. For more information, contact us on Facebook or call Tony Williams at 817-891-6819. Actionware, where your design comes to life. And we are back. We just previewed the Louisville Cardinals. Trey and I have them 11 and 1, falling to Cincinnati. Mark it down at the end. And Trey, there's a lot of callers in. If you want to uh, call, talk to us, press number one in the queue, and we'll we'll let you in. Trey, Colin Coward's on the line. You think I should let him in? <laughs> let's let's talk to Colin. Uh, hold on. Now I'm not going to let him on. He he wants to talk about Mansdale, but I'd rather hear you talk about him. So, Collins, hold on there. We'll get you on in just a few. Trey, Johnny Mansdale, a big story broke out on ESPN. Um, I mean, I'm concerned when I see the parents of Johnny Mansdale come out in the media and say they're very concerned for their son and, you know, with his drinking and, and his partying. And it just seems to me they're not very high on Texas A&M, the coaching staff, anybody in that association. Trey, tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the really well-written journalistic pieces. I mean, it's at times very flowery in its language that it uses. At times the article discusses Johnny Menzel um, as if it buys into his folklore but ultimately, it's a very interesting piece. And the way it describes Johnny Manziel is, is this. You know, this guy uh, comes from a very wealthy family. Uh, you know, he's got oil money, raised without a want in the world, really. And he goes off to high school and puts up ginormous numbers. But still, as a normal kid, you know, goes to Texas A&M. And they were saying even after the first game of the season, you know, at home, and he he ran home from the stadium, and no one knew who he was really still. And, you know, it, it went from that to at the end of the season where he was having to have police escort Stephen to get himself home because of the sort of fandom that struck him. And, and the way the piece was written was is that Manziel sort of brings on some of this negative attention himself, but that Texas A&M seems to have not helped at all protect Manziel and the parents of Johnny Menzel are very, very sort of upset at Texas A&M because, you know, there was just a mix-up, and you know, whether it was a miscommunication or whether, you know, Texas A&M wanted to hold on to the, their Heisman because both, if you don't know, both Johnny Menzel and the school get a Heisman. So the school gets to display a Heisman, and then, of course, Menzel gets his own. Uh, there was, you know, the parents thought that the school was trying to keep the other Heisman to, to be taken on the PR campaigns. So there's all this weird distrust from the, the, you know, the Manzels, and then they, they just feel like they're trying to basically get their sort of pound of flesh from Manzel, and it sort of gave you a lot of flavor of what goes on, not only with the parents, but with Johnny Manzel and sort of with Texas A&M, and you're right, so there was some weird stuff in there, you know, Johnny, they're very concerned with Manzel's drinking, he's had anger problems, he breaks golf clubs when he plays with his dad. And then there's this weird thing about how his parents um, bring him, like, carloads of materials to sign every time they see him. So this whole family, this whole dynamic, this whole way Texas A&M has handled it came off very just weird. And it just, it's just a very surreal article, and I, I encourage you all to log on to read it. 
Well, Trey, it looks like to me when I and that was a great great commentary you just gave, but but looking at it, his parents, it seems like they're waited too late to try to help their son in a way. Look like they've had all these years to to raise him the right way, and and your son, you know, he's going through a lot of stress and needs his time, and all of a sudden you're bringing him trunk loads of stuff to to sign all the time, and you know, after I read this article. I looked at a different light. I mean, he is a spoiled rich kid. Don't get me wrong, but he does have a lot on him. But still, he's 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 twenty years old. He's a kid. I mean, he's going to make some mistakes. He's going to say the wrong things. But his dad's just drinking just to try to be a sample. But Trey is a little. They laid a dollar short. It looks like. But here's the here's the deal, and this is what I want everybody to know. Kevin Sumlin needs to come out. And, and take control of this situation. They're trying to call his name out. They're they're begging for him to do something. I think Texas A&M needs to come out and have a conversation with him and possibly suspend him, Trey, until he can get everything in order. Well, I mean, one of the things that, that I got from the article and one of the things that I think um, a lot of people are questioning is how, how can Texas A&M not handle this in a situation the way, you know, in, in any worse way? I mean, they've They've really not handled it well at all. They've, yep. they've sort of taken advantage of Menzel, but they've not really been there. I mean, one of the things that we talk about, I mean, all the people we've had on who do recruiting, for instance, I mean, you know, whether it was J.C. Sherbert or XL Sports Recruiting, they all talk about how these coaches walk into these families' houses and they say, don't worry. You know, we're going to take your son and we're going to make him a man and we're going to protect him. And I, it really does feel like Texas A&M hasn't done that. And you're right. Now, Manziel has not acted in the appropriate way. There's no doubt about it. The kid's immature. There's no doubt about it that he's causing a lot of self-hate. I mean, heck, Tarvin, I mean, in the article it talked about how A&M, the student body had written an article in the paper telling him to leave. Um, and it's just this whole weird love-hate relationship that Texas A&M seems to have with him where they hate him as a person but love the fame, the money, all the brand new facilities they're building, the whole atrium they're building for the Heisman Trophy, so they can you know recruit off of it. Uh, it, just, it appears that Texas A&M in itself is schizophrenic and how they're handling, handling Manziel. So how is he supposed to react to that? Yeah, I mean I, I do. I mean, here's the deal about Texas A&M Trey. And if you're a player on Texas A&M, that's all you hear about is Johnny Manziel. Oh, he's having a bad day. He's in a bad mood. He he wants to leave College Station. At what point does Kevin Sumlin do what's best for this team in general and what's best for this young man? I think Johnny Manziel is, is like that kid crying out for help, doing stupid things, and, and no discipline's coming. Kevin Sumlin is supposed to be this kid's dad at school and on that field, I think he's dropping the ball, and I think his stock will drop as a coach because I'm telling you, Johnny Manziel's in jeopardy of, like his dad said, getting arrested. Uh, I mean, you saw the A&M player that was killed in a car accident. You know, he fell asleep and everything. You just don't know what can happen to you, especially when you're drinking a lot. Johnny Manziel seems like the kind that will drink a case and then get behind a, uh, in a high-speed car and just go 100 miles an hour and wrap it around a telephone pole. Somebody has to get control of this quick, Trey. It's not about wins and losses right now. Texas A&M is acting like a team and a program that's never been there before. That's really what they're acting like. Yeah, I mean, not only as a team, you're right, but as an entire organization, A&M is acting like they have no idea how to handle the intensity of the spotlight that comes with what happened to them last year with the success, 
with a Heisman Trophy. I mean, let's. I mean, part of it, they're not the first school to come along and have this happen. I mean, you know, whether it was, you know, you can look back in the history and say, okay, well, Florida State kind of happened to them in '93 with Charlie Ward, but you know, with all those. Now, I understand the differences, and the writer pointed it out in the ESPN piece that you know, okay, now we're in the Twitter age where everybody can connect to these people instantaneously and how people handle this negative Twitter feedback. But all of that is self-created. I mean, you can you can delete a Twitter account. I mean, it's not that hard. So, you know, for Manziel, he's going to get his own house in order. But at the same point, Harvin, I expect A&M to act like a university uh, who has told this guy's parents that he's going to they're going to protect him and who should know how to handle the situation, should know how to handle rampant fandom. Yep, and, and you know, they understand someone and the whole organization knows that Manziel stopped going to counseling because his schedule was too busy. There comes a time when you have to step in because you love the kid. You want to see him do good. He He's interviewing for a job right now. That's what he's doing. And right every week that goes by, he's losing money. He's He was a first-round pick. Maybe now he's a third-round pick. You never know what can happen by the end of the season. He might not be drafted at all. He might be back in College Station. He could be in jail, Trey. They need to get control of this. And looking at their first – if they're all about wins and losses, they can do without him those first three games or two games against Rice and Sam Houston State. I'm telling you, Trey, they need to do something to protect their organization, their image right now. It's not about wins or losses. Alabama is going to kick their head in, and we'll talk about that in a little while. They need to sacrifice the wins right now and, and to get it back. I mean, look, Johnny Manziel's falling apart in front of everyone's eyes, and nobody's doing it. The parents are calling for help. If you were someone, Trey, you were in this position, you hurt his parents, what would you do? Yeah, and sorry, you want to give out the call-in number real quick while we're talking about this? 646-716-5564, if you'd like to call in. We'd love to hear your opinion on this because I know a lot of people are on Manziel's bandwagon. They say, oh, he's just a kid. But, I mean, this guy's underage drinking a lot. He's doing some crazy stuff. So, Trey, what would you do? Would you suspend this kid right now? No, I, I wouldn't suspend him because uh, I don't think he's done anything that you, I mean, taken in context with other players that you would suspend. But here's what I would do if I was the university. I would deal with his parents. I'd have an open dialogue with them and say, look, we're both here for Johnny's best interests and the interest of the, the organization as a whole. So we're going to control his every move for a while. You know, if he's not with, you know, somebody on the team, he's going to be with his family. You know, we're going to, first of all, Texas CNN, stop. Stop with the tours of Johnny Mandel. If you're worried about him, cut out his PR campaign. Cut out placing Mandel on the spotlight and then then, then whining that he's not handling it well. Pull him from the PR tours. And, you know, Texas A&M has not been in control of that the entire time, and that's part of what happens. If you have a kid who's being a kid and being out of control in college and he's not handling the spotlight very well, then take him off the PR tour. You know, it's that, that simple. Yeah, they need to they need to step in and and Jonathan says on the chat room a lot of underage kids under or underage kids drink and quit bringing it up. Can we just blame the bars? Well, I mean there comes a time where you have to blame the individual. I mean the bars are bars. They're in there to make money. They serve people with a proper ID. I don't think you can blame the bars, Trey. I think this is all on the individual, Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel needs to step up and take blame for all this crap. Somebody keyed your car doesn't mean you throw a hissy fit on Twitter. 
and it doesn't mean you you drink and drive. I mean, this kid is spoiled rotten. His mom and dad, have, in my opinion, have done a terrible job of of raising him to to respect authority and to take care of himself. And now it's too late, Trey. I don't know. I'm, I want you to predict to me what's going to happen to this kid by the end of the year next year. Well, I I, I think right now you're going to see a guy who I think is going to have, and I guess you know it will. It'll be outcome determinative, if that makes sense, Tarvin. How good of a year he has at Texas A&M will, will sort of lead to where he's going to go, whether it's going to be a guy who had so many problems in college that he has to leave because he's no longer welcome there anymore, uh, which I don't know if we even had this situation in modern football where you have a Heisman Trophy winner who runs himself out of his own town. But it could happen. I mean, it, I think it, right now it's highly unlikely that Mandel will be back for a junior season. Her senior season. Oh, sorry, yeah. So hold on, he is a sophomore. No, he's a junior. Year, right? It'll be a junior. It'll be a junior. Yeah, junior. Yeah, you're right. And, and I, I just want to know before we get into the schedule, what do you think this is doing for all of those parents that are watching this situation develop, the way Texas A&M has handled it in recruiting? I mean, are you really going to send your kid to play for this guy in this organization when you can play somewhere else? I think this could hurt recruiting, Trey. Yeah, I mean, and it's the difference, and we talk, you know, this is sort of back to my, you know, I'm not an Alabama fan, I'm not a Nick Saban fan when it comes to, like, you know, actually being a fan. I think Nick Saban's a great coach. But he's handled players like Manzetel who came in, and just look at Reuben Foster. You know, this guy was all over the place, in his re- just in his recruiting in general. I mean, but what better coach to handle a player like that than Nick Saban? Because he knows how to get these guys He's like Bill Belichick in that way. Like he says, you're going to come into this organization. These are the rules, and there's no exceptions. If you, you know, if not, you're off the team. You know, and someone just doesn't seem to have any control of his team at all. Uh, he doesn't seem to have a control of Manziel. He doesn't seem to have the respect of Manziel, and that's a problem. I mean, that's a huge problem if your coach doesn't have that respect. Yeah, and and we're going to go through the schedule right now, and I'm interested to see what the chat room thinks about the record. What you think, Trey? And what I think, really, this is an interesting season coming up, a lot of drama. It wouldn't be college football unless the drama was coming. So, Trey, you know, the first two games, Rice and Sam Houston State, look, there's are scrimmages for Texas A&M getting ready for that September 14th game when they host the Alabama Crimson Tide, a team they went in last year to Bryant Denny and, and put up 20 points all of a sudden on them, which was enough to luckily hold off Alabama. They made some runs, so – so tell us about this game on August 14th, trade with Alabama coming in. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been saying it since last year. I think Johnny Menzel is going to have a, a, a swoon year. He's going to be down a little bit. They're going to, they're not going to be undefeated past this game. Alabama has been preparing for this game since last year. And again, you give Nick Saban all off season to prepare for you. And, and let's be honest, I mean, that is what's happening. I, it, yeah, it's not Alabama's first game of the year. They, I know they have Virginia Tech. I know they're taking that game very seriously. Um, but they've been be able to prepare for Virginia Tech, and then their next game is Texas A&M. And you can, bet, you can bet everything you have in your hand, Tarvin, that Nick Saban has been preparing for these two games exclusively in the offseason with the eye towards revenge. I mean, they probably have – Johnny Menzel, Heisman Trophy, uh, you know, award ceremony 
playing nonstop in their locker room this off season. So I think yeah, uh, that they're going to be two and one after this. Yeah, and I'm I'm trying to make a statement out to all the banks out there, and all I need is a million dollar unsecured loan for the weekend. I mean, Friday I'll pick it up, I'll bring it back Monday and pay the loan off in full. That's how much I would bet on this game if I had a trade. I would put a million on Alabama in this game. I think the point spread is going to be lower just because it's A&M beat them last year and Johnny Menzel. Alabama is going to beat this team in this submission. I mean, this is going to be bad. Nick Saban is the master when it comes to having time to prepare for a team. And, and you know, Alabama plays Virginia Tech. I don't think that will be a – we'll talk about their schedule later. But they're going to be fresh and pumped up to come in here and prove a point. This is the SEC, and it belongs right now to Alabama. And they're going to come take their crown back. Yeah, you know, most of the chat room agrees with this, Carter, that Paul brings up some interesting points. He says, you know, this is the field's going to be rocked in with a 12th man. And Alabama hasn't been all that great on the road. So, Tarvin, uh, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, this is an Alabama team that that they've lost a lot too. And I mean, they're not invincible by no means. But but I know the 12th man's rocking. But if any team can go on the road for a business trip, and that's all this is to Nick Saban, and that he's going to sell that to him. This is a business trip. Alabama's going to play well with that noise. Obviously, it, it, it didn't hurt Texas A&M last year when they went on the road. I think Bama comes back, and, you know, that 12th man's not going to really mean much if they're not screaming, if they're getting beat by two or three touchdowns. So look for Alabama to come in early in this game, take the crowd away, and just take the spirit away from Texas A&M. I like them big, Trey. I like Alabama huge in this game. And then we lose to Patterson here. I think we lost Trey for just a second. And and like I said, people say, well, Bama struggled on the road. They have struggled on the road in the past at times. But, I mean, this Texas A&M team is a team that really they started out slow last year. Florida took care of them, LSU. They were hot at the right time. It was a perfect storm when Alabama played them last year. Remember, they went on the road to Baton Rouge. Uh, the week before that, and um, come from behind last drive, miracle drive, actually, to score a touchdown and beat LSU. So, and, and I know it's cliche, but I do believe that Alabama was overlooking Texas A&M a little bit. I think they believed that they won the national championship the week before, and they never expected what was going to happen. And, and if you looked at the game last year, man, they looked like a circus clown out there. I mean, he was, he was down eight times, it looked like, and he would pop out of a pile and throw a touchdown pass. So, this year, it's not going to happen like that. Texas A&M is, is not the team they were last year. They lost some key offensive linemen. Um, they lost a couple of receivers as well. They're, I think their veteran receiver is a sophomore, Mike Evans, this year. So I do think, Trey, that a and is going to struggle mightily. It's not that Alabama is so good. It's that a and is not as good as people think they are. Yeah, I mean, you know, sorry for, for losing there for a second, Tarvin. But, you know, A&M, you know, they, it's not as if they have a team back. I mean, they lost a lot of guys in the draft, too. I mean, they're only returning four on defense. So, um, you know, Alabama's re- you know, returning seven on defense and six on offense. And, you know, A&M's got six guys on offense. I mean, it's not as if A&M's bringing an entire squad back either. I mean, that's something else to consider in all this, Tarvin. Yeah, and, and there's a term that people use on the road, skull drug. That's what's going to happen to Texas A&M in that game, guys. Look. I want A&M to win, trust me. I'm an Auburn fan. I want A&M to beat them, but it's not going to happen. It's going to get ugly, and that's going to put them at 2-1. and one. 
that's where we are right now. The next week, September 21st, SMU, Trey, no challenge there. 3-1 A&M. September 28th at Arkansas. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, the Arkansas game, I'm, I mean, I don't see that as a game that's all that different than last year, Tarvin. It was a 58-10 to 10 game. I think it'll be closer this year. So I'll give it a I'll give it a forty eight to seventeen. That's about right. I like that. And then they they have a, a bye week. You know they come in there. What are they four and one? We have them. And uh, at Ole Miss, this could be interesting. Two teams that are similar. Uh, both teams on the rise. The difference is it's in Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah, you know the one thing about Mississippi, Tarvin. Have you have you been to an Ole Miss game, Tarvin, by any chance? Yes. Yeah, it is quiet, right? It is not a it's not a normal SEC venue. It's small. It's, it feels like a it feels no, like I'm a sorry. high school to me. I was thinking something else. No, I've never been, but I have heard. I've been to an Ole Miss game, but I, I have heard that uh, you know it's very quiet, and you know it's not. It's like a golf match almost. It's not like a um, going to Florida or LSU or Tennessee or somewhere like that. I mean, those guys get rowdy when they're winning and they're beating a very good team. Yeah, I mean, so Ole Miss isn't the, the normal home environment of an SEC team. But the one thing I like about Ole Miss a lot, Tarvin, is they got 18 returning starters, including 10 on defense. I mean, that, that's saying something. Ten guys returning on the SEC defense. It was seven and six last year. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, these guys weren't that bad. Uh, so, Tarvin, I mean, seven and six, uh, they lost this game, Ole Miss did, by three points last year. Yeah. I like Ole Miss, Trey. Pull the upset off here in October. October is a, a dangerous month. I like Ole Miss. Yeah, you know, Tarvin, I'm actually going to agree with you. I, I think Ole Miss does pull the upset here. I think Ole Miss, um, even though Texas Santa has the ups, has the open date before this, I think Ole Miss is going to give them fits in this game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So both of us pick the upset. That takes us to October 19th. They get the they have Auburn coming into town, the 12th man. Tell us what you think about that. Yeah, I think they're going to rebound against Auburn at home. Um, you know, Menzel is going to—he's um, not going to have the greatest year tournament. He's not going to be win another Heisman Trophy, but he is still a pretty good quarterback uh, at home. Uh, I think they're going to take out take down Auburn. I would say by about 17 points. Well, this is going to be an interesting game. Last year was a scrimmage. Um, that team has quit, but. It just depends on this Auburn team this time of year. It could be make or break for them. Nick Marshall has a, a, a while to learn that offense. If he's the quarterback, the defense has uh, jailed the offensive line. It could be interesting. It's going to be a fast-paced track meet. The difference is I like Auburn's defense to, to, to take control in this game and to keep them in this game, actually, while the offense can score on A&M. I'm going to pick Auburn in this one in a slight upset. I think they'll be wow. able to outscore them this year. Yep, I'm going to pick Auburn in this one. Last year, you know, I picked A&M to blow them out. And, but this is before the season even looks. I'm looking for Auburn's defense to win this game. It's not, you know, it's going to be the track meet people think. I think the defense can get some pressure and, and frustrate Manziel. So it could be a homer pick, like you say. But, look, I have the proof to back it up. So I'm picking Auburn. All right. Hey, well, you know, hey, you live by you live by your picks, Tarvin. So, Hey, we'll move on. Uh, you're getting Homer Homer on, on the chat room, but you know I'm not going to knock you for making making a Homer pick, Tarvin. I'm not going to I'm not going to knock you. So we're going to move on to I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Tarvin, Vanderbilt, UTEP, and Mississippi or State 
excuse me, Mississippi State or three wins. Oh, definitely. So uh, you got them at three losses, right, Tarvin, at this point? Yep. All right. Well, that gets a bye week, and they're going down to, to call, call, me, call them Baton Rouge, Tarvin. Uh, they lost this game at Kyle Field last year by five points. Uh, do they get any revenge uh, in LSU's home stadium? Um, that's going to be a tough one. Um, dude, I, I think at this time Johnny Manziel and that team has lost a lot. Three losses. I mean, I don't know if he's even going to be playing. He could be in jail. I don't know. I don't think that they're going to have enough to go into Baton Rouge and win that trade. I'm going to go ahead and pick LSU in this one. I think Mettenberger will be able to have success against that defense, so I'm going to pick LSU. Yeah, you know, not only do, am I worried about Mettenberger and we saw him last year, and I heard he's, I heard he's gotten better in the off season. I know LSU's got a new offensive coordinator, so they they have that going for them. Harvin, but I mean, what am I going to make of this running back situation at LSU? Is he going to be playing? I mean, and I don't know much a whole lot about their backup, so uh, that really concerns me. So I'm going to give Texas A&M the nod here because I just think that. LSU, even with the new offensive coordinator, I think they're going to score more points. Maybe Mettenberger has a trend, you know, a transcendent year. But after I saw him last year, I know he was he was brilliant at moments during the Alabama game, but I saw a lot less brilliance from him. So I, I just I'm going to go I'm going to go with um with Johnny Menzel over Mettenberger. Okay, well that is what do you have him at nine and three or what do you have two and two? Ten and two. Because I mean, they're, they're going to beat Missouri four. the next week. Yeah, I have them at eight and four actually. And Jonathan, I am serious. At Kyle Field, I don't care where it is. Really, this is the SEC, and it, I mean, they could get blown out. But this time of the year, I'm, I'm looking at something different. And I know this conference better than I know myself, really. So I'm going to pick it. I'm picking that upset with confidence. I'm not saying Alabama, Auburn's beating Alabama or anything right now. I'm not stretching it, but A and M. Second year in the league, they're not taking anybody by surprise. Trey eight and four this year with, um, you know, maybe going to the Cotton Bowl somewhere around in that would be, you know, the season I expect for them. I think they're going to hit some bumps in the road. They lost a lot, and I just think the maturity, all of this offseason stuff, is going to affect Johnny Manziel. And, and really, Trey, how are they going to get over that beating they're going to take against Alabama? That could really put them in a tailspin. No, oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, we'll have to see how emotionally Manziel can handle a big loss, but you know, there's still there's still a lot of talent on this team, uh, and there's there's some question marks with other teams. So you know, I got them at ten and two. Uh, you have eight and four. So it's our biggest. Our, I think it's our biggest uh, difference in a in a team right now. Yep. Well, when it happens this year, I want all y'all to call in. Not you, Trey. You're not giving me grief about it. I want Paul, Cuervo, Jonathan, all you guys to make sure you call this show after that game, and we'll talk about it. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a wake-up call for them. I mean, this is not a powerhouse football team yet. They they snuck up and beat some teams. They got hot at the right time. But let's see how they do with a whole year off, a whole season off, all of this handling the success. They haven't done a good job of it. And uh, Paul's picking Clemson versus Texas A&M in New Orleans. It's not a bad prediction, but I don't know. Paul is in love with Johnny Manziel, Trey. I don't understand this uh, man crush. Yeah, I mean, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul's honest with about it. He'll tell you he's got 11-1 and one, uh, Texas A&M. He's, he thinks that I heard he's got a Manziel figurine on his on his uh, nightstand. 
and he kisses it every night when he goes to bed. Uh, I don't know, man. Paul, Paul, Paul likes Manziel. You and I don't. But uh, Pat Carvin, he could be right, man. What if Manziel has another Heisman year? It's possible. Mm-mm-mm. I don't think it's. I don't think he's going to get a dinner, especially if he goes eight and four or nine and three. He's going to have to, in order to make a Heisman this year, he's going to have to beat Alabama. I think if he doesn't do that, he's not going to get it. I'm telling you. So Alabama take care of him and that Heisman, their national championship hopes, all in one weekend. And we'll see. I mean, you have to look at an entire season, like I said, when you're judging teams. You have to see how they're going to react. If you pick them to lose a big game, how are they going to react? I mean, Auburn could get beat 56-3 to by these guys. It could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't, but I'm just looking at the all the dynamics, and, and this is not the same Auburn team. This is not the same Texas A&M team. It's not going to be the same Alabama team. Everything's, every year is different and unique, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. So, so Sunday night, Trey, we're going to be back on. We're going to who we're we going to preview. Would you like to do a conference? Yeah, let, 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 let's, let's ask in the chat room, Tarman. Let, let's see who we should go for. I mean, you, we know we're holding back on Florida State and Auburn, and I want to hold back on the champions, Alabama. Uh, but what, yeah. what, let's, what's, what's say we do uh, LSU, Tarman? How about that? LSU, I can live with that. And how about Stanford? How about yeah, let's do Stanford. Stanford, LSU, that's uh, two powerhouses right there. Or, or, or did you say Stanford from Alabama? Which one? <laughs> no, not Stanford. <laughs> Stanford. Well, we will do the Stanford Cardinal and the LSU Bengal Tigers Sunday night. And that's what makes this show fun. I mean, everybody's opinion, you know, you call in, you give us your opinion, it's all respected. But you will get some grief. I will get some grief. That's what makes it fun. But make sure to join us Sunday night. And everybody put your prayers up for Sonia. She's in the hospital. So uh, prayers up for her to make a speedy recovery. And uh, I can't wait till that Texas A&M Auburn game now. You guys have me fired up now. I have some bragging rights on the table here. Eight and four. Eight and four for Texas A&M. Trey has them ten and two, right? Yeah, that's right. And Louisville, we have both have eleven and one, losing to Cincinnati. Just in case you didn't catch us earlier, we also I have Seattle winning the NFC West ten and six. Trey has San Francisco winning the West at ten and six. So we're different tonight, and two out of three. So that's not bad. No, no, we're we're not bad. We're far farther apart than normal, Tarvin, and far as part away from you. And your predictions are where I like to be. Well, sometimes you know, you you know, you if you like a team, you wear those those glasses, those orange and blue glasses. Sometimes you do do that to occasions. You have to be careful about it. But we will see you Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you join us. And I'm going to play in closing here a little Kenny Chesney, the boys of fall. If you're in that football mood, we'll see you Sunday. In my helmet, cleats, and shoulder pads. Standing in the huddle, 
listening to the call. Fans going crazy for the boys of fall. They didn't let just anybody in that club. Took every ounce of heart and sweat and blood To get the weather's game day jerseys down the hall The kings of the school, man, where the boys are fall Well, it's turning face to stars and stripes It's fighting back them butterflies it's Knocking heads and talking trash Slinging mud and dirt and grass I got your number, I got your back When your back's against the wall You mess with one man You've got a song The boys are fall. In little towns like mine, that's all they got Newspaper clippings fill the coffee shops The old men will always think they know it all Young girls will dream about the boys will fall Well, it's turning face to stars and stripes it's Fighting back them butterflies It's calling in the air around here Yes, sir, we want the ball And it's knocking heads and talking trash It's slinging mud and dirt and grass It's I got your number, I got your back When your back's against the wall You mess with one man You've got a song 